Next on BYU Sports Nation, NFL Hall of Famer Steve Young back at BYU. He makes his on-set debut in Studio B. Why the two-time NFL MVP says Taysom Hill is a better version of him and his game plan for BYU football to power up. Plus, Sports Illustrated's Jeff Benedict joins us. His NBA draft hangout with Jabari Parker. And who's the next BYU NBA draft pick? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation on your radio, television, computer, smartphone, tablet, Xbox, and Roku. Presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Seven media (laughs) to consume this program. That's Awesome. Friday, June 27th, wherever and however you're Friday. dialed in. Glad Woo. to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan, who, oh, by the way, I just learned, was handcuffed and thrown to the ground by a police officer in high school. Yeah, that happened. What the heck? I, I was in my high school after I was working on a video. I was a student body officer, uh, had a key to a room, you know, that was ours on the old iMac back in the day using iMovie. Working on something on a Saturday afternoon. Had a ton of friends in high school, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and I set off some alarm or something, and a cop saw me in the hall when I was leaving and said, Get down on the ground! <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So then he put cuffs on me and like shoved my face into the floor. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm a student body officer. I have a key to a room here. Yeah, right! What's going on? And, you know, he's searching through my wallet, asking me what stuff is and what stuff should be in there that isn't. And I'm like, what's going on? It got weird. Uh, Shoving your call. face in the ground. Yeah, and then I then I left, and I wasn't very happy about that. I typically don't uh, welcome people shoving my face in the ground. Sometimes, <laughs> but not always. Well, guess what? In 2014, your face is on a billboard, so take that, police officer. I don't think that way. I'm just happy I got out then, back in 2001. This is a big day. Perhaps we're overlooking... One of the days that you've been looking yes, forward to for yes. a very long time. I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. You know, a lot's going on today. Namely, Transformers is out. <laughs> I'm very excited about this movie. It's had terrible reviews so far, but I'm still going to go see it. You're still going to pay the nine fifty or whatever to go see it? Yeah, man. Even though it got horrible reviews. I also heard that Steve Young's on the oh, show yeah, today. There's I that also too. heard that. An NFL Hall of Famer is on set today. How did that get pushed below Transformers? (laughs) What is wrong with us? Join our. I found out about Steve Young later. That's what. (laughs) Join our conversation whenever it's convenient for you, my friends. Just use the hashtag BYUSN. Today's at BYU Sports Nation Twitter question is as follows: Okay, the NBA draft was last night, so we ask who will be the next BYU basketball player selected in the NBA draft. At Jeff underscore Bame tweeting in this. Hopefully we have one each of the next five years with Tyler Hawes, Kyle Collinsworth, Eric Mika, Emery, and the other Hawes. Hashtag BYU Sports Nation. That'd be us. Wow. Use hashtag BYUSN weigh in on Twitter. We're going to give you some statistics that would, would tell you that that is unlikely. But I think BYU's talent pool gets increased. It in the certainly next has years. gotten better. Yeah. And no question, use the hashtag BYUSN. Listen to the show noon Eastern on BYU Radio Sirius XM Channel 143. Watch the simulcast live weekdays on BYU TV. Rise and shout, BYU Sports Nation. It's time for a Friday edition of What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic 1. BYU in the NBA. Listen, BYU has a legitimate shot to have a player taken in the league of all basketball leagues over the next two years. Maybe two players in two years. But who 
And how credible is that thought? Who Could BYU really have two players or even one taken in the NBA draft in the next two years? There's a couple ways of looking at this. One is to see how BYU's done historically in the NBA draft and then and then to look at the players that BYU has currently and coming in, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Oh, we're getting right to it. It's a Friday dish. Four. BYU has four NBA draft picks the past 12 years. That's pretty good. 03, Tw- Tw- Travis Hansen to the Hawks, second round. 04, Rafael Araujo, eighth pick. Back to back. 08, Trent Playstead, second round pick. In 2011, Jim Murfredette. Tenth pick to the Bucks, so and then four, traded to Sacramento. Four in the last twelve years. Do the math. That's one every three years, which is pretty good. One every four years. Sorry, three years. You're right. Yes, You're right. I, I did the math. Do the math. Unlike me. Uh, okay, the, there was a gap between Sean Bradley in '93 to '03 with Travis Hansen. Ten, ten years. That's no what's interesting. Drafted. So you have yeah. four in twelve years, but before that, you had basically a decade drought. So the last twenty, same amount, four picks. You have four in the last decade. Okay. Two so of the, those guys uh, transfers, by the way. Two the BYU. status of Hansen BYU basketball either. right now is such that you have some guys that are getting some looks from NBA prospects right now. Tyler Hawes at the top of that list because he's been in the top ten in scoring in the NCAA for the past couple of years. And he he had discussions with NBA scouts who then instructed him to – you know what, it's probably better that you go back and you work on a few things, notably your defense, but he is a scorer. After that, you have Kyle Collinsworth, who is coming off an ACL injury, but he, who we discussed, is is a guy that fits the league well because he could be a really big physical point guard, and there are guys like that in the league. Notably, I, I think Kyle could be like Grievous Vasquez. Guess what? He could be like Alfred Payton. Who? The 10th pick in the draft last night from Louisiana Lafayette, who's a guy similar to Kyle. Uh, Peyton was a 14-7-6 guy. Points, assists, rebounds. Kyle has that type of game. Yes, he does. Who is going to be the next BYU basketball player taken in the NBA draft? That is our Twitter question today. Those two are the, the best candidates the on the team. The leading candidates, right yes. So I guess someone could come out of nowhere and go crazy. But right now, or, and even Kyle next year, maybe if he had a huge junior year, he would have he would have he has some a shot decisions. To go early. Yes, does. Tyler Hawes for me is the next guy that's going to be taken. I just do not see him not being in the top sixty players taken in the NBA draft. He's too much of a weapon. He's a guy that can come off of a screen, who can run guys around the league and make a tough shot. From the mid-range. The mid-range game is something that NBA scouts what is, drool over. What is a mid-range game? I don't even know what that means anymore. 15 what? to 18 feet. I know. I, yeah, I, I know, practice I know, you know. these shots myself, but just so in pickup, because it's like it's easier a three or a layup, right? No, there's all the space in between. I agree with you on Tyler Haas that he, he is indeed a pick. Here's, here's the issue I have. Not with Tyler per se, but the type that Tyler represents. White American shooting guards don't get drafted. One last night in the 60. Joe Harris from Virginia. Why couldn't Tyler be that one, For though? Some, he could. He could. I, just chances are he does not get drafted. I, I don't see Tyler Haas getting drafted next year. I think that, that the NBA and NFL drafts, what have we seen? Why was Ziggy Ansah the fifth pick? Did you know that Bronson Kafusi had as many sacks as Ziggy did that year? It's because Ziggy has this incredible upside and the body type and the speed and the agility and all, the, all those tangibles in the combine, right? 
Those matter almost more than what you've actually done. Look at the leading scores in the NCAA in, in uh, you know, top 10 or whatever. Most of those guys don't end up being in the league for some reason. I think that Tyler Haas has shown his cards, and they are great collegiate cards. He is a top five scorer in the NCAA. He will pass Jimmer Fredette for points at BYU. I just, I'm just not sure how much the NBA is in it for him. I want it to be. I really do as a BYU fan. But looking at it as an analyst, I don't see Tyler Haas being drafted. I see KC as a better prospect okay. because he's 6'6", point guard, bigger, stronger, a little quicker, can give you more NBA skill set. I will give you that Kyle Collinsworth's game because of what he does, the all-around part of that. I'll give you that that, that makes him perhaps more appealing to and the I'm, NBA scouts. I'm speaking from an NBA scout perspective, like not like, hey, I'm a BYU fan, want Tyler to do this. That's not it. People are like, well, Jimmer Fredette was good, and he's not playing in the NBA. Tyler and Jimmer have entirely different games. I think that Tyler's game, because it's so uh, – it's easy to plug him in anywhere because he is a scorer. Okay, he can – he can come off of a pick. He's not the ball care, the ball handler. Hey, it is his job to score, and that's what they do in the NBA. And, so, and he needs, uh, to a degree, at the next level, he's going to need people to help him to be able to score. But there, JJ those, Redick, I feel those like people Ty- are, those guards are dying. They are not literally. Is there a place for JJ Redick? Yes. Yes. But name me twenty JJ Reddicks. There are like five: Ray Allen, JJ, Redick, the guys that come off picks and do that. There's, there's not as much of a place for him. Tyler has great skills in college. I'm just not sure if they translate to the league. Who doesn't want to score a guy that can hit tough shots? Tyler Haas makes some of the most no, ridiculous I, shots no, look I get so it. easy. No, I get it. Who doesn't want Jimmer Fredette? He's the ultimate scorer. But he's from a the ball NCAA handler. Everybody, you know I mean? There are way more point guards than shooting guards like Tyler in the NBA. Like Everybody wants to, to be the guy that can create on his own. There are still there's still a need for guys that come off a pick and can make a shot when you need them to. Yeah, I'm telling you what I think is going to happen, not what I want. You I, want Tyler? To I get want drafted, Tyler obviously. to average eighty a game and for BYU <laughs> to win the national title, right? That's not going to happen. But if if he can continue to to progress and be a good scorer, it's it, it's just tough because if he's six six, things change for some reason. But it, he's six four and. I'm telling you, for some reason, white Americans, shooting guards, don't get drafted. One out of the 60 last night. It's just, it's just tough. How many were in the pool last night? How many were in the pool? You tell me one. Was there only one in the pool? I have no. Guess what? We don't even know the names of these people because there aren't that many out there. There aren't that many to begin with. And so, no, I'm saying the reason there was, there, there, was only, there was only one drafted is because there weren't that many that were NBA prospects. Okay, Tyler is. When you say he's a, in that he's a white two. guard, yeah, so there might be two in the pool, so only one gets drafted. No, there's more than two. What what do, will legitimate Tyler, NBA prospects? There's a reason they're not legitimate. What what's the reason? Or what will Tyler Haas do a senior year that he hasn't already done? That's going to increase his stock to where you're like he's going to be picked. He can show what? that he's a better defender. He's done enough offensively to show that he can score the basketball as a six four shooting guard. Who's a guy that again? The degree of difficulty of his shots is amazing. He oh, makes yeah. and he shoots no. free throws so well, I which is such a commodity in the NBA. I do not doubt any of his collegiate skill. We're talking about the NBA here. Can he? Can he draw a foul? Can he draw a foul? Yes, he can draw a foul, and he will make free throws, and he can hit tough shots. I just don't see Tyler Haas not fitting into the sixty NBA picks next season. There are sixty. You'd think he'd fit in. I'm just, I'm just saying. Right now, if you, if I had to pick, I don't see him getting drafted next year. 
Look at the look at the players that have been drafted from BYU. These four we've talked about. Basically, in the Dave Rose era, uh, Dave Rose was an assistant when Travis Hansen was here. Travis Hansen was really athletic, white shooting guard, could defend. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rafael Arujo, big man. Trent placed a big man. Jimmer Fredette led the NCAA in scoring. It's it, I'm, it's just tough. I hope that Tyler does. I. If he was, and I, no, no way in the first round. It'd be a second round pick for Tyler. So for you, is it Kyle Collinsworth then? It's Kyle, yeah. And then, and then you look beyond that. Let's open this up. You look beyond those two. I think Eric Mika is an NBA prospect. If he oh, develops already. a little bit of a mid range, he could be Serge Ibaka to a degree. You know what I mean? That Eric type of Mika player. will get drafted. By the way, it's always good when you have a guy that's white that you can compare him to someone that's not just white. Like last night, it was Doug McDermott. And everyone just compares them to white guys. Why can't there be a black guy that <laughs> is compared to Doug McDermott? Come on. I think Nick Nick Emery, I think, is gonna be a crazy good scorer, a little undersized. He'd have to be crazy quick. Um and Nick a great Emery defender. is a JC Carroll at Utah State for me, if you remember JC Carroll. Yeah. I hope that Nick's better than JC, and that's saying a lot. JC was really good. Uh return missionary that played at Utah State, uh chewing up defenses. He's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Uh TJ Haas. Maybe. He's got to put on some weight. Uh, Peyton Dastrup. Now, there's a guy, I think, that because he's a big man, he could, he could be Miles Leonard from Illinois, who was a lottery pick to the Blazers. That type of guy. It's easier for a big man to get drafted than a guard. There's just so many guards. There are, there are some guys that BYU is talking to right now that will come up in the conversations in the future. Like Their, their recruiting pool is such that they are now attracting guys that are going to be looked at by NBA yes. prospects. The talent pool goes up. Mm-hmm. I think BYU gets a couple of guys drafted. In the next six years, I think you have multiple picks. Who will be the next BYU basketball player selected in the NBA draft? Let's hit up your answers on the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. At Tasha Lynn 19 How did I know that we were going to hear from Tasha today? Uh, you know my answer. I predict a Jimmer-esque senior year for Tyler Hawes. He won't go top 10 because he's a much quieter score, but he'll make it. Hashtag Hossum. Yeah, if it, Tyler Hawes is an incredible score. I don't, want, I don't want the message to be that I don't think Tyler Hawes is good enough to play in the NBA. I just don't see him getting drafted. I'm looking at it from the NBA draft perspective. If he breaks the all-time scoring list that means, at BYU. That means very little to NBA scouts. Oh, I think it matters something, right? It no. has to matter. They're going to see the all-time leading scorer, which includes Danny Ainge and Jimmer Fredette. You're going to get drafted. No, in the end, that doesn't matter. They just put they put them in a gym. They see their athletics. How high do you jump? How fast are you? How what's your shooting percent? Uh, you know all that stuff. Tyler Haas has some great stuff in that, but he doesn't compare to some of those other guys. Like Zach uh, Levine was it Levine or whatever from UCLA last night? He was like the sixth man for UCLA. Crazy good vertical, decent player. He's a lottery pick. Tyler Haas is a way better college player than that guy, but why wouldn't Tyler be a lottery pick? Because that guy has the NBA body and skill set and all that. It's, it's unfair to Tyler, but that's how it is. There's a place for Tyler Haas in the NBA. Also trending in BYU Sports Nation. Men's soccer at 7-2 and two on the road to play Real Colorado, a team they just beat. On Tuesday, 2-1, to one, thanks to some BYU Sports Nation karma. And Taylor Sander of men's volleyball, now playing for Team USA, graduated from BYU. He is in Kaliningrad, Russia, to take on the Russians today. The match live right now. 
USA up two sets to none, up 11-8 in the third. Taylor Sander has six kills, a block, and two aces. Nine I will, points. I will break you. Awesome. <laughs> Coming up, it's time we bring back a segment we haven't done in quite a while. What's the chance? Hey, what's the chance that Tyler Haas is drafted or that BYU has an NBA draft pick in the next two years? That's just one of the topics we'll discuss. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. It's a Friday. Sports Illustrated's Jeff Benedict joins us in 12 minutes. Steve Young, NFL Hall of Famer, joins us in about 20 minutes. He's on set. I'm Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan to my left. We are live in Studio B. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. At TJ Hold. In reference to Jerem Jordan, I don't think scouts would care if Tyler gets the record. Cody Hoffman also got records and still was undrafted. It's just a weird deal at the next level. Cody Hoffman didn't have near the national notoriety that Tyler Haas does. So to draw that comparison is crazy. No, I think it's a very no, fair comparison. Come on. Tyler Haas to Cody Hoffman? Tyler Haas is way more in the spotlight than Cody Hoffman. Cody Hoffman didn't play in the World University Games with a bunch of guys that got drafted last night. If there was a uh, Cody Hoffman played in the senior in the Senior Bowl, the Senior Bowl is not the World University. That's Games. the equivalent. What oh, are the best on, like Mc- junior seniors? Doug McDermott. I don't know the other guys on the team besides McDermott. I'm just L- saying. Listen, the the point is at the next level, it's not about what you did in college per se. It's about what, what you can do at the next level. Yes, there are. Okay, Cody Hoppin wasn't, wasn't drafted like? in seven rounds. We're talking about Tyler Haas. If there were seven rounds of the NBA draft, Tyler Haas would be in the first two rounds, in my opinion. Right. And He's then, going. And then making a team is a whole different conversation. Like, second rounders don't necessarily make I'm the not team. saying. I'm saying right. it's, the question is, will he get drafted? Trent Plaisted got drafted because he's a big man. Yeah, I get it. Tyler Haas is a really, really good basketball player. He is in the top 60. Yes. He has to be. Yes, but will he get drafted? Like, the top players versus who gets drafted is different. Was Cody Hoffman one of the better college football players? Yeah, he was good. He was all good, his yards, but they're, they're, okay. All his touchdowns? Yeah. I'm just, I, it's an, I feel like that's an unfair comparison to like, say Cody Hoffman is Tyler Hall. Like seven times 30 or whatever, 210, 20 picks. Cody Hoffman wasn't one of the top 200 college football players. Yes. So Ty- Tyler Haas is in a different class. He is elite. He's an elite college basketball player. I do not give Cody Hoffman the elite status. I think he's a really good football player. He's, but Tyler Haas, we're talking about a guy that is, is Kyle Van Noy. Okay. He's no, a game changer. No. He's no, a he's game not. changer. He is not Kyle Van Noy in college basketball. Can he take over a game? How many games has Tyler yeah. Haas won for BYU? Yeah, they, zero in the NCAA tournament. BYU needed, needs uh, more, of, more guys like Tyler Haas to be able to get to the next level. Tyler, listen, I'm not dogging on what Tyler, Tyler played on a winning t- NCAA tournament team. Yeah, led by Jimmer Fredette. But and he still played Jackson on a team Emory. that won a game. He was a part of the game. Yeah, there's no arguing that. But you I'm said, talk- you said when, he didn't win you any games. When, like, he was part of that team. No, last year in the NCAA tournament, BYU did not win a game in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> okay, last year. Listen, Tyler Haas is a really, really good, great college basketball player. I'm talking about whether he gets drafted from their perspective. I, don't, I just don't see it right now. If he averages 30 a game next year, he's getting drafted. If he averages 28 a game, I think he gets drafted. Why couldn't he do that? 
he can go and do it. Like <laughs> that that's going to be a that's a big leap though. I think if Tyler Haas averages 22 points a game next year, he gets drafted. I do not. What if BYU wins a lot of games and Tyler Haas is a leading scorer on that team? That also helps. That didn't work the last two like like what what is Tyler going to do this year that's going to be different than last year? He's going to be great again. Let's let's let him decide that. He's yeah. going to be great again, but how much better can he be? I think that he's going to be consistently really good. That's not to his detriment. Tyler Haas has a girlfriend, so he's going to get drafted. Boom! That has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Confidence fact. Now he's got that extra swag, bro. All right. I feel like I'm dogging on Tyler Haas. I'm not. I'm looking at it from the NBA perspective. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not wrong. There's no right or wrong right here. That's, you're wrong in your assessment. <laughs> hey, easy there, Captain Defense. We, we, yeah. Watch the simulcast, by we, the way. We have a device live, to play. We're live on BYU TV and on BYU Radio. I haven't been this fired up in a while. I man. love it. Hey, did anybody else notice, by the way, the NBA commissioner Adam Silver's doppelganger as President Henry B. Eyring, first counselor in the first presidency of the LDS Church? Well, he, he was there to welcome Jabari yeah, into the NBA. How apparently. awesome was that? Let's play What's the Chance. BYU Sports Nation asks, what's the chance? Here's how it works. We throw out a one-liner, and Jeremy and I will give you a percent chance of what we think this happens, this thing that we're talking about, the, that it will come to fruition. Had a hard time getting that out. Let's go. Number one. What's the chance BYU has an NBA draft pick in the next two years? 95%. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm that confident. And that most of that 95 is coming because I think Tyler Haas is going to get drafted next year. Jerem? Uh, I'll go 40%. What? Between Tyler Haas and Kyle Collinsworth, uh, the 40% chance that one of those guys gets drafted, or anyone for the team. Those are the top two to me. Number two. I'm angry. What's the chance BYU football gets ranked in the top 25 at any point this season? 80% because the schedule shakes out as such, and they have so much coming in. Uh, BYU is already close to the top 25 right now, and a lot of that depends on where you start. I feel like they're going to be getting votes. They'll be right around that mid-30s. If they win win a game, if they beat Texas, they're ranked in week two. 67.37%. I think if BYU starts 3-0, they're ranked. 2-0, maybe you're right there. Uh, you can't you can't lose that Texas game. Otherwise, you're going to have to try and recover. In seasons past, where BYU won ten or eleven games, they would go one and two uh, at the beginning. Or in 08, they went eight and zero, but then lost a couple at the end. They had to recover to get ranked at the end of the season. If they start strong, I think they have a really good shot early to get ranked. Yeah, I think if they're two and zero, I think they have to be. They're at least twenty five. I don't envision a scenario. But you're right. If they lose to Texas, they're going to have to be six and one or seven and one to yeah. be back in that conversation. Number three, what's the chance Taysom Hill has more carries than Jamal Williams this season? Ten percent, and that might be too high for some of you. But listen, when he is the best athlete on the team, and he has the ball in his hands all the time, and there's always the chance that he can pull it down and run it if he's being pressured, I wouldn't be surprised to see Taysom be right there with Jamal on numbers of, number of carries again. 80% because the sacks count. So Taysom Hill will have more carries than Jamal. When you look at just rushing carries, if you took the sacks out of it, uh, I, I would be more in the range of yeah, 5 or 10% that Taysom has less actual rushing carries than Jamal minus sack. Number four. What's the chance Steve Young brings us a creamsicle Tampa Bay jersey for the sake? <laughs> we put this out there a few days ago. 
Uh, I'm going to say 0.01%. Oh, there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I am saying there is a very, very minimal chance. Not to say that at some point in the future, because we will discuss the cream school jerseys with Steve today, that we, that we could get one. But today, <laughs> I, it's very, very minimal. I'm going to go 0%, like <laughs> negative, negative Can 1% you go or negative? something. negative? I would really like an LA Express jersey. That's what I would like more than the uh, cream school. That would be sweet. Number five. What's the chance BYU basketball faces Matt Carlino and Marquette? Oh, 2%. I wish it were higher because of what Nate Austin said yesterday. When we said, what if he you, was fired up. What if you played Matt Carlino and Marquette? Would that be fun or awkward? Well, one, he said he's not, he's not one of us. That, that was just like, whoa, okay. And then he said, I hope we face them and we, I hope we destroy them. <laughs> he, was, he was really <laughs> frank about that. That was, that was surprising. For me, uh, it's probably yeah. It's like one percent. Just the chances they play Marquette in it'd have to be the NCAA tournament or NIT. Number six. What's the chance the United States soccer team beats Belgium? Sixty percent. Mm. They just survived the group of death. Turn <laughs> off the vuvuzelas. They just survived Portugal, Ghana, and Germany. Nobody gave them a shot outside of who those who live inside the country to get out of that group, and they did it. Why not beat Belgium? They they beat they basically beat Portugal. Portugal's a better team than Belgium. They beat Ghana. I think Ghana's better than Belgium. So I think that there's a good chance. I'll go fifty percent because a win technically would have to mean that you win in regulation. It ends up being a tie if you go to overtime and then <laughs> you win that way or whatever. But no, tie, a tie would be if you went to penalty kicks. Yeah, 40, uh, 40% for the U.S. I hate penalty kicks in World Cup games. I think that's the dumbest thing ever. They play can't, they play can't, until somebody scores. They they'd be, it'd get ragged. Take it like to when the you play pick up yeah. and you're like, yeah, let's keep going this last one and like guys aren't hustling layup layup. I understand yet. it. I just hate Chair it. Picking. It has to come down to that. Yeah. That who would be fun in soccer. Who will be the next BYU basketball player selected in the NBA draft? That is our Twitter question. Use the hashtag BYUSN to join that conversation 24-7. Up next, Sports Illustrated's Jeff Benedict, friend of the program, rejoins the show. We're going to ask him about his NBA draft party hangout with Jabari Parker, the number two overall pick. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B at BYU Broadcasting. We invite you to follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton. And if you'd like more details about Jerem's arrest in high school, you can follow him at Jerem Jordan. I'm not arrested. <laughs> handcuffed. Yes. Yeah, Steve, Steve Young here is here. By oh, the way. by the way, Steve Young is Steve, in Steve studio. Young. That's how we introduce Steve Young is me handcuffed. What the heck? Well, you're, de- you're, you're detained for a brief time. I was. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? Doing great. Welcome. Good this to be. Your... In, uh, you know, I've done it on the radio a few times, and now uh, in town, the family's in town. So uh, thought I'd come up and check out the digs. You guys, I mean. This is as nice as it gets. This is Thank really you. nice. Yeah, yeah. This, this Stuart is the Scott B- would be jealous. So, booyah, <laughs> booyah. This would be. This is our Mike and Mike uh, BYU version. I like. We it. don't have bobbleheads. We got great. all the stuff on the set. I love it. So, Steve, uh, before we get to Jeff Benedict, one of your friends and one of our uh, friends of the program, uh, we have been discussing something that would add an, a dynamic to the set that that really only you could give us, and that is a creamsicle Tampa Bay jersey. Do those still <laughs> exist? They, they're around. I've signed them for people every once in a while. They were the problem with those were 
they were made out of a material. It was as if it was an Arctic uh, insulated material, like triple ply. <laughs> and so triple it was like, ply. I don't know, maybe that's the only one that would make the color. I don't know what it was that was such a problem. But so that was the, the what the color was one thing, but then it was just the thick stiffness of the jersey that was brutal. That was my greatest, you know, it was trying to overcome, trying to throw through the cardboard, you know, <laughs> was uh, was particularly difficult. So I, I'm sure they're still around. I, they might have thinned them out over the years, but uh, another kind of the, the ignominious experience of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that was like the final uh, uh, rude thing that happened to us was that uh, the jer- even the jerseys were too, and it was so hot wow. too. Oh, I mean, bro- in Tampa Bay, Bay. Yeah. I know. I don't even want to get into it, but we can. I don't know. Do you really want one? Uh, if, <laughs> if we, we can find one even, on eBay or something, yeah, even or... like a football card that just profiles. Yeah. There are, there are a few people that can pull off a creamsicle jersey. No, I did not. <laughs> Plus, I was wearing. I was always wearing the. When I got to BYU, Jim McMahon was wearing the long bearded face mask thing. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! And up. I saw so it's Jim McMahon, so I was like, "Oh, well, I'm going to do what Jim did." And I put it on. And I wore it yeah. all my. And I wore it in, in in the LA Express. And I wore it in Tampa Bay. And I wore this big, huge, long thing. And I got to San Francisco, and Joe Montana, he didn't wear that. And I was like, oh, this looks kind of stupid. I kind of felt insecure about it. So I went to a normal face mask, a shorter one. And all of a sudden, I dropped back to pass. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was hitting my shoulder pads Can't for 15 turn. years. I couldn't see the right side of the field. Suddenly, I can, I can see the whole field. It was a miracle. Completion percentage. Whoosh. Uh, we have a special treat today on BYU Sports Nation, joined by NFL Hall of Famer Steve Young, also a college football Hall of Famer. And uh, right now we're going to bring in Jeff Benedict of Sports Illustrated, who has a relationship with Steve, guys that have uh, been friends for a while now. Uh, Jeff, we have, we have this intriguing prospect of talking to a guy that has been a, a banner athlete for uh, the LDS Church and for BYU, and now we have another LDS kid that was just drafted number two overall last night in Jabari Parker how how has it been to to cover both Steve and now Jabari uh, in your career as a professional author? Uh, well, first first of all, I didn't really cover Steve uh, during his. He's career. not. The, oh, he's not old enough. For that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I certainly, you know, I certainly watched and uh, followed him during his career. But I think it's it's been really interesting with Jabari because um, this is a you know this is a different era and a different time and not only different for sports, but different for our church. And uh, the church is different and, and much larger, and, and it's in many different places that it wasn't, you know, in the early 90s. And so um, Jabari has garnered an enormous amount of attention because of his faith, um, being the first African-American Mormon uh, drafted in the NBA. It's It's been a big deal. And I think he shouldered it, you know, as as well as you could expect. I mean, it's he is only 19 years old, and uh, this is a young man who's been under an incredible spotlight since he was about 15, and um, that's you know pretty rare. What was the reaction from uh, the Parker camp by uh, being selected second in the NBA draft? Well, they were really happy. Uh, you know, he he was really excited about the possibility of going to play for Milwaukee. Uh, <clears throat> likes the team, likes the management there, uh, and it, you know the family was just uh, frankly, I think, relieved last night. When, <laughs> when his name was finally called and uh, he, it was official, you know, where he was going and that he was going. And um, his dad, Sonny, uh, was, you know, you could just see the pride in his face last night as a, a former NBA player himself and to have his son, you know, kind of pick up the torch and, 
and uh, go into the league. Um, and, you know, the thing that I noticed last night, which was uh, really interesting for me to be watching, is I was watching how all the other people that are at the draft uh, treat the Parker family. Uh, you can just tell that the family is widely uh, respected and liked by, by everybody. And even though there's, there is rivalry between these players and, you know, who gets picked where and there's money involved and all kinds of stuff, but the fact of the matter is, despite all that, this family has built uh, a reputation amongst uh, Jabari's peers and amongst the league and ESPN and the fan bases and everything where they are widely regarded as uh, really good, fine people that they're just impossible not to like. And um, I think that's a really good thing. You know, it's not just Jabari, but it's his parents and his siblings. We're talking to Jeff Benedict, a contributor for Sports Illustrated, author of nine critically acclaimed books on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Jeff, we, last time we talked to you, we also talked to Steve on that same day when we did our uh, a remote from the BYU uh, store, and we talked about Jabari having Steve's card in his locker. What what kind of, uh, I guess, take does Jabari have on Steve and using him as a role model in his very unique situation? Well, I mean, the truth is uh, the reason he has the card in his locker is because I, I had actually asked Steve for that card during the last football season, and and I gave the card to Jabari. I didn't tell him what to do with it, but he decided to put it in his locker. But, I mean, the reason I wanted him to have it, it seems like kind of an almost trivial, funny thing. But, you know, when you have that in your locker, so you see it every day when you go there to get dressed, and then you see it again when you go to dress again, um, I just wanted him to basically know, you know, you're not alone. this industry can be a really lonely industry for anybody, but particularly for someone who's a Latter-day Saint and you're the only Latter-day Saint, you know, on your team or maybe in your league or whatever. And uh, I just want him to know, look, there's somebody who's done this before. Um, there's not many, there aren't many guys you can point to who have walked a road that's like the one you're going to walk, but Steve has, it's a different sport and you could argue it was a different era, but you know, a lot of the same things that you're encountering, Steve's been there and, and, um, and, and fortunately, I had a friendship with Steve, so I could, I could tell Jabari a lot of things about Steve. Um, and I'd shared stories and anecdotes and things that Steve and I had talked about. And, and I think for, Jabari's a really quiet, thoughtful kid, and um, he just made the decision on his own to put the thing in his locker. And, and he was really grateful, you know, and we've talked about it numerous times since. And I think it's just important for a young man like that to have someone who you know has has done it before, and um, it, it's I know it's been a helpful thing to him. He mentioned it to me yesterday, as a matter of fact. There was a New York Times article that came out about Jabari Parker, a lot of it focusing on the decision you know, not to go on an LDS mission. Steve, you went through this process. How, uh, what's Jabari going through right now as he embraces the, okay, I'm going to represent my faith through my play and off the field in court? Well, I mean, it's a... It's an athletic event. Um, I teach gospel doctrine. I teach that every week, that being a saint is an athletic event in itself. But it's the road that Jeff talks about, you, you know, we hear uh, the little ditty about to uh, be live in the world but not of the world. And that sounds, sure, okay, but then it, it, it's, uh, it's a real, you know, we talk about getting your hamstrings stretched out and really be ready to, to take things on. And I think that's the road that Jeff's talking about that I've walked. Uh, hopefully... Um, uh, as well as I could, and that Jer- and now Jabari's going to do it. And I think more than anything, uh, 
it's putting a stake in the ground, uh, especially with your teammates and your organization. I think they, and I think he's already done that. From what I've understood of Jeff telling me about Jabari meeting with the Bucks, meeting with the organization, people are going to know him coming in. They'll test him because that's just the nature of, of life. And then, you know, putting your stake in the ground and then, and then holding tight and uh, uh, working through it. And really with a, with a smile and, a, and, a, and a, a lot of, you know, I, I have some of the best, fun, interesting stories of my life sharing the gospel in the locker room, on the bus, in the plane, um, throughout my career, in all different situations. Um, and, uh, you know, the most fun time we ever had was when there was uh, – uh, 50 guys in the 49ers and five of us were temple going LDS guys. So we, <laughs> that we always joked that the 49ers had paid their tithing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, but then again, in Tampa Bay, we talk about the, the orange jerseys. I was alone. And, uh, and that doesn't mean you're alone. And then, and your teammates actually support you. And when I was in LA express, uh, I, you know, I really wanted to be with the, the team. I wanted to go where they went. I wanted to be, you know, a guy that was part of the team. And so they would meet this kind of, uh, Oh, I don't know. It's kind of a chop house place where they would uh, uh, all drink and and have dinner and so forth. And I'd go, and they'd order milk, and like, oh, Young's here, get the milk, get the milk, you know. And then, and we had lots of fun with it. It was, you know, and that doesn't mean it always happens to everybody that way. But I think there's a way to handle it, athletically, right, and spiritually, athletically. You know, to to deal with people and really be open to people and 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 uh, enjoy the the rigors of being in the world it's a it's a it, it can be tough but also can be great and that's what i've told jabari and i think he's excited about it i think he's gonna he'll you know i think he gets a, a nice little uh, chance to do it close to home in milwaukee uh so he has the support of his family he'll be very close to just drive up and watch the games and uh, that makes a big difference too steve young on set on byu sports nation we have jeff benedict acclaimed author on the phone Jeff, now that Jabari has, I mean, the word pressure gets thrown around so much. Do you feel the pressure to live up to these standards? And Jabari has used the word opportunity. So with what we heard from Steve, and now that he has this opportunity in front of him, how is he handling his current situation going to Milwaukee? You know, I think he's he's handling it as well as you could expect someone of his age and uh, in the position he's in. Yesterday... (laughs) I, I caught up with him yesterday about oh about four or five hours before the draft. I met up with him at his hotel, and um, you know all the players that are getting drafted are staying at the same hotel, and the, the league is kind of taken over, and and you know the guys are milling around. And when I found Jabari, when I finally met up with him, he was they had just come from a lunch with the commissioner, and um, he, a lot of the guys were still dressed up and stuff. And when I met up with Jabari, he was in uh, shorts and a T-shirt, and he had two kids with him. They were the sons of his former bishop back in Chicago. And um, he, you know, he looked like a kid. And, I, you know, I said to him, I go, how you doing? And he, he was relaxed. You know, he was heading to the fitness center to, to work out uh, before going over to the draft. And he was taking a little kid with him to work out with him. This kid was like, you know, 10 years old or something. And uh, he was pretty relaxed, and genuinely so. It wasn't like a front. Uh, He was relaxed, and I think he was at peace with where he's at and where he's going. And uh, I thought the the most important thing he probably said yesterday was when, right after he got picked and he did the quick on-air interview as he'd come off the stage, and they asked him about expectations, you know, and what's ahead. And he said, you know, um, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, look, you know, 
I haven't played a game in the NBA yet. So, you know, I have a lot to prove to myself and everybody else. And he said, but I'm, I'm just happy that somebody picked me. And I think that that, you know, that kind of speaks to his mentality and where he is. I mean, I think he's, he's, uh, he's still got that humility that I saw when I went to meet him for the first time as a, as a uh, junior in high school in, in Simeon. Jeff and Steve, I want to get uh, both of your opinions on this. I, ju- I just thought about this. BYU's now had a top five, or not BYU per se, but uh, an LDS guy has been drafted in the top five in the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball the last couple of years. Bryce Harper, number one, Jabari, number two, Ziggy, number five. What does that say about the state of maybe Mormons in athletics being profiled at the highest level now more than ever? I- I think it's always been the case. I don't, you know, uh, there's always been great athletes out there. Um, uh, and so I don't think it's a, a rush on it at all. Um, but I think that the, as the church grows and as, you know, you look at the profile of Ziggy and you look at Jabari and you look at Bryce and you see the uniqueness of what they bring, uh, that, that we're, we're getting to a bigger tent. And I think that's wonderful. And uh, I think that's, you know, so there probably will be more and more higher picks as we go along, and they'll, these are the trailblazers for that next generation. People are, I, I mean, I talk to guys that are going out now, and they think, yeah, but you played back when, you know, I mean, it's like the, I remember the, when I was playing, and you know, Virgil Carter would come around, like, yeah, but you play. You know? <laughs> so there needs to be the new guys, and I think it's exciting to see guys that you know that they'll they don't realize it, but they're everyone's you know, there's a whole generation of kids watching them, and they'll be able to help that next generation. I suspect that that won't be the last time we have top picks in the draft um, uh, over the years. I, I think more and more it's just going to be the case. The thing I would add is if you go back to when Steve was recruited uh, to come to BYU, BYU's footprint for where they recruited didn't even really reach the Northeast. You know, they didn't really do recruiting in, in the Northeast where Steve was from in Connecticut. And now if you look at just BYU football, look at that roster. And, and frankly, look at how different it is than the rosters that Steve played on. Uh, the teams that Steve played on. And I think that part of that is the result of um, the church has has grown in size so much, but also the church's footprint has, has really extended. And so, you know, the number five pick in the draft last year, Ziggy, I mean, this is a guy who is from Ghana. You know, I mean, what are the chances that, you know, you'd have somebody from Ghana in the NFL? Well, that only happened because of BYU and the church. And uh, I think... Uh, you know, if you look at a lot of these players that are now coming up that, that you're listing, um, these are guys that are a reflection of how much the Mormon faith has changed and expanded in the last 25 to 30 years. And you're now seeing the results of it in terms of the kinds of athletes and the players that are coming up in these different sports. And, I, I mean, I agree with Steve. I think in the next few years there's only going to be more and more of that. Jeff, we appreciate the time. It's great stuff. Uh, we wish you the best with your, your future endeavors. I know we're, we're going to be reading some great stuff on uh, your time with Jabari and also with Ziggy and Kyle Van Noy in Detroit. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. See you guys. See you, Jeff. Up next you, on Steve. BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, reunited. That was nice. Yeah, no, we're good buddies. He's a good guy. <laughs> More with Steve Young. What he thinks about Taysom Hill and why he's given him his endorsement. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU Radio, also on BYU TV. 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. You can watch us on a number of different avenues. We, we determined seven, correct? Seven different media. Media, TV, mediums. radio, internet, Roku, Xbox. Things have changed a little Plus bit. Plus two. Yeah. NFL Roku? Hall of Fame quarterback, college football Hall of Famer, after an illustrious career at BYU and one of the few people to wear a cardboard creamsicle jersey, Steve Young, on the show. If I could show you that jersey, you would say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how bad that was. <laughs> like the mess ones were tough enough, right? Right. Right. Well, the BYU Let ones, the, the BYU ones at that era were light. They're almost too light, and they were cut off, you know. Linebackers, bellies. Now showing. you get these ones that go down to your knees that were like you couldn't even – they'd actually make a sound when you'd move. Taysom Hill no shot a commercial with us. He brought his jersey in, no pads, had it on. It was it was, tight. Uh, so it was tight. really tight. I saw that. Really <laughs> tight. We're talking like, <laughs> wow. Tight. Okay, so here's the thing. And I said this, uh, who, I'm trying to think of the guy that came out of Notre Dame quarterback a couple years ago. Um, Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn, sorry. Uh, he's a friend, so there you go. Um, I just, uh, he, he, I told him, Brady, and, and, and Bill Walsh is one that told me this, and I think it really is true uh, through the years. He, Bill Walsh said, you, as a quarterback, you want to look like Muhammad Ali, not um, Ken Norton. Yeah. Do you remember, you're old enough to remember oh, that? I remember yeah, Ken, Ken Norton, Norton had these huge guns, and he was going to come out and just be, and then he said, Muhammad Ali, what didn't you know? He didn't. He didn't have all the big guns and everything, but he had the athletic uh, athleticism, and the touch, and the feel, and, he, and no one could beat him. He says, "I don't want to see a quarterback like Ken Norton." And so I said that to t- uh, to uh, Brady Quinn because Brady was a big power lifter. He wanted to be the strongest guy in the gym. It's like Brady, it's not going to help you play quarterback. And I want to say the same thing to Taysom. So I made this as my indirect way to say it to him <laughs> that it's not about. Your strength it is about your touch and your ability to deliver footballs in very unique situations, yeah. off balance, with tremendous touch. That is a, a, a great talent that can be extended with you know how you you know your flexibility and your ability to kind of move in the pocket. And it's very subtle, and you might be able to f- stiff arm a lineman and, and gain ten more. But that's in my mind that's not the endorsement that I want to give. The endorsement is. You're a great athlete. You can run the football. You can change the game. But number one, you've got to run the offense out of the out of the huddle, call the plays, and then as a desperate last measure, I'm gone. Everything else is getting the ball to other people. I want him to feel like throughout the year, every time the ball ends up in my hands, it's kind of a mistake. It's a screw-up. Hmm. Maybe a good one. Yeah. Maybe a game-breaking yeah. winner. But it's still underneath it. A screw-up. Not a, uh, that's the wrong word. Not a screw-up. Uh, plan B? Yeah, plan B, but a bad plan B. <laughs> okay. Because I want the mindset, because I'm telling you, when you run the offense and you get the ball out and everybody's touching it, everybody's come out of the huddle and it comes out on time and linemen get the sense, oh, my gosh, we're on a roll. Defenses, then all of a sudden something breaks down and he runs for 30. That's when defenses say, hey, look, we quit. Yeah, we we're can't done. stop it. But if you're, gonna, if you're not going to threaten them out of the huddle, they'll take the rest of it. And figure that sooner or later you'll break down. So that's the big challenge. Hmm. And he's he's old enough, played long enough. This is the year to orchestrate it and run it. And I'm excited for him. You compared your well. It's a natural comparison because you and Taysom were well, you were a great runner at BYU and in, in the pros. And Taysom's a great runner. But you said that he's a better version of you. What what is Taysom better at? At BYU than you? When well, he's you stronger. Were at BYU. Okay, he's stronger. Thirty five pounds heavier and right probably now. a little faster. I mean, wow. I, I don't really race. Than you? I was, well, you're right. I was pretty fast. Um, <laughs> I mean, I really, that's one of my few skills I had in college. I learned to throw the ball just barely in time to play at BYU. 
But I, I think more than anything, uh, Taysom has the uh, the, the and, and and I think the game has gotten more uh, dynamic and uh, what quarterbacks can do and accomplish with these offenses and 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 I think Taysom just looks like a guy that can extend on whatever I was able to accomplish. But he's got to you got to do it, do it from the pocket. Okay, the rest of it we'll, we'll do, but from the pocket. And I think if he can do that, this team really – and throughout the years of BYU, you notice from the – even back to Virgil Carter, when BYU had an accomplished quarterback, we were knocking on the door of, of – or breaking down the door of national supremacy. Yeah. And that's just the fact. And so if Taysom is a top-five quarterback this year, BYU will knock the door down. We've done this with Steve before, uh, but only over uh, the phone. Now we have him in, in studio – it all comes down to what happens in late August. Countdown to <laughs> Connecticut. <laughs> 63 days. Oh, I yeah. couldn't hear the music. <laughs> Producers in our ear. We missed it. 63, 63 days. days until BYU takes on Connecticut at Rentschler Field in East Hartford, Connecticut. You know, I'm, I'm, last time we did that, <laughs> I got off the air and I thought, oh, I should have mentioned. And maybe I, I can't remember if I did it off the air. You know, it's a, stores is about 20 miles from ESPN. So this is a home game for BYU because that's what that's our lifeblood. Yep. ESPN is our lifeblood. So that Connecticut game, every executive is going to be watching that oh, game. Oh, that's fantastic. It's a big deal. Friday night. Do you mind signing a rise up flag before you go? Of course. Steve Young with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars 63 days away from taking on UConn. Up next, the Cougar whip around. We'll be back with more on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Welcome back. Man, what a show we've had today. Yeah, it's been fun. Interesting comments from Steve Young that I'm sure we'll break down next week on where Taysom Hill can improve the most. That it's, it's almost a mistake if the ball ends up in his hands at the end of the play. That's interesting. Today's Rise and Shout is brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Who gets our Rise and Shout? Hard to go away from Steve Young. Steve Young, man. In studio, always fun to have Steve on the show. Fourth time. First time in studio. And he pointed out, I was here before Sarkeesian and Detmer and Gifford Nielsen (laughs) and McMahon. I'm a man of the people. (laughs) I I hold the flag for this show. Okay. Uh, Thanks to our guests, Steve Young and Jeff Benedict. Everyone on our crew. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. What a week. A shout-out to Kelly Smith. Nice. BYU Sports Station, back to work on Monday.